Well, here we are with the second Sunday of Advent, first Sunday uh, in uh, December. And uh, it's a good time to ask the question that's asking that anthem that the choir just sang, and that is, what did you say was the baby's name? And see, it's all, Christmas is all about Jesus. And if you've grown up in uh, the Christian culture, uh, then you would understand that, understand why we put so much emphasis upon celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. And it's understandable at the same time uh, that if you didn't grow up in a Christian environment, and maybe still not a believer today, uh, that um, maybe you don't understand what the big deal is about celebrating the birth of a child, especially one that happened well over 2,000 years ago. So sometimes I think we get desensitized to about celebrating uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. I mean, a- every Christmas seems to get busier and maybe a little more commercialized and all of that. And we really need to focus on the name of Jesus and what it means for us and the significance truly uh, of Christmas. And talking about babies, did you know that um, sometimes the reason maybe that, that we just kind of take the birth of the Christ child as kind of casually, get used to it so much, is because uh, every, every year uh, 4 million babies are born in the United States. That's something, there. just in the United States, 4 million babies. I mean, you could say, well, this is just another baby, ho-hum. Now, let's think about this for a moment. Just thought I'd throw this in. You got any idea what the most popular day is, the day of the week in which most babies are born? Tuesday. Who said that? You were in the first service. That doesn't count. (laughs) Yeah, it is Tuesday for some reason. Monday is the second, the highest day in which babies are born. Sunday is the least. Now, Sunday is the least. Uh, The most popular month. And David, don't say anything. You're in the first one. What's the most popular month? When are most babies born? Huh? September. How many September birthdays we have? Look at that. Now, that's a good number. Yeah. How many of you are born on the 19th? That's the best day. There we go. Several of us in the church share that. Isn't that interesting about that? Most babies are born on, on Tuesday. Uh, Lisa was born on Sunday. September is the most popular month, and 19th of the September is the most popular day, right? Okay. Well, today's a special day in our family. Uh, it's the birthday of our youngest child, Sarah Lynn, who's seated here beside her mom and her husband. Uh, today also happens to be Pearl Harbor Day, uh, December 7th. And uh, Sarah Lynn was born on December 7th, Pearl Harbor Day. And uh, when she was born, the doctor immediately named her Pearly May because in honor of Pearl Harbor Day. And I'm, great, I'm sure that she's grateful that that name did not stick. Here's what's significant. Sarah Lynn turns 27 today. Uh, she was one year old when we came here 26 years ago. And now my youngest child is expecting her first child. And uh, their daughter, Doc and Sarah Lynn, are going to be living with us for a while as he... Uh, it goes on staff at Riverland Hills Baptist Church over in the Irmo area. Uh, they're anticipating the birth of their first child. They're told it's going to be a daughter. And if it's not, they've got to do some quick changing of a pink uh, color scheme all throughout our, our upstairs in the house. And um, they've already chosen the name, Landry Nail. Landry is a maiden name that comes out of Doc's family. And Nail is Cookie's uh, mother's middle name, Landry Nail. Now, excitement is, I, I feel excitement about this. Landry Nell will be our eighth grandchild. And I'm just as excited about her arrival as I was the arrival of our four children uh, and our other seven grandchildren. And I'm excited about the fact that we will have all of them together for Christmas, see? And I'm, and I'm excited about celebrating Christmas again. It's my favorite time of the year. And the reason for it is, is we celebrate the birth of a child. We celebrate the birth of a baby, Jesus Christ, 
who came as God in the flesh to be among us. And there's very significant things about that. We just think about reasons to celebrate the birth of a child. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing and holding uh, this, uh, this granddaughter as well as soon as she comes. And her due date is next Sunday. So we'll see if she comes on her due date and being born on a Sunday or not. But, but because you look at a child, and when I have the opportunity to share with you when you have children uh, in that hospital room typically, and to hold that child, that this is a, a miracle that God has brought forth, the miracle of the creation of human life that God lets us be a part of. I mean, it's a fantastic thing. We should never get a whole home experience about the birth of a child, whether it's in our family or somebody else's. And especially about celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. And I want to give us two specific reasons why and then what the significance of that means for us as we celebrate. What's so special about celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ? What was so special about his birth? First of all, Jesus is God with us. That's what we celebrate first of all. That Jesus is God with us. And we trace that back over 2,700 years ago, 700 years before actually Jesus was born, to a time when the kingdom of God had been divided into the northern and southern areas. And King Ahaz was over the southern area. And he was a weak king, plus he was an unbeliever. He didn't, he didn't believe in God. And then there were two kings who rose up in power against him. And they came to him and said, unless you agree to what we offer you, uh, we're going to destroy you and destroy your nation, destroy your tribe of Judah. And so God sent Isaiah the prophet uh, to give uh, Ahaz some comfort in that. And, and God is saying, call on me, ask me, and I will protect you. And Ahaz was not a believer, so he didn't ask for that. So God goes one step farther. And we see the first prediction of the coming of Christ in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Because Isaiah says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive... And bear a son, and she'll call his name Emmanuel. Now, who was this child that was to be born? Well, that was immediate danger, an immediate concern right there, that God was bringing this child into the world. And, and the same thing was going to happen uh, in, in later time with Jesus coming. But there's still speculation that this could have been a child that Ahaz was going to birth, or that it was going to be the child of Isaiah. But it was going to be a child. Uh, that God would send as a sign during that time of desperate need that God was going to be with the people. Now, what's interesting then is about 700 years later that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, when it was God's timing and the announcement through the angel that for Jesus to be born, that the gospel writer Matthew chooses that prophecy to tell us about the birth of Christ. You can follow along on the screen, hopefully it's there, or open your Bibles uh, with me to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 18 through 23. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child 
and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, how do we, how do we interpret all this and put all this together? Well, many years ago, 700 years before this announcement came, God intervened for his people in a very special way. It was a child born, and it was a symbol of God with them. 700 years later, everything is right. Following a 400 period of year of silence, not hearing from God, everything was right, and God sent the announcement that now is the time that I'm going to send the Messiah. And Matthew, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, looked back to that prophecy and said, now it ultimately is being fulfilled. That this is Emmanuel, who is God with us. So what we find here is that the significance of the birth of Jesus Christ is that Jesus is God with us. He was God from the beginning, part of the Trinity. But then he came to earth in the form of a baby. And throughout this month, we'll talk about the significance of that. In fact, in John 1.14, this is what John says. This is how he birthed the the baby in his Christmas story. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So when we look at Jesus and celebrate his birth, we're celebrating the fact that in Jesus, God has come to us. He's among us. Now then there's a second great reason to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And that's because Jesus is not only God with us, but he is God who is for us. When you're going back to the book of Isaiah and you read through chapter 7 and you see uh, the judgment and the the problems that were taking place. And then you read through chapter 8 and you see uh, some of the things that are happening to the people of God. Then you get to chapter 9 and some significant things take place. I'm just going to read you a portion of some of the scripture that I'd picked out. But in Isaiah 9, in 2 through 5, uh, Isaiah writes and says, The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness on them his light uh, shine. He's talking there about the fact that God did send the deliverance, did send deliverance for them during that time. But then as they looked forward, they kept looking forward for the Messiah who would come, the one whom God had promised who would come. It was, this is taking place now with the assurance of God's presence and His power and taking our side. But they would look down to the future and say, one day He's going to come in another way. One day He's going to come as the ultimate ruler and the ultimate king. And that's what we find Isaiah going on and saying in verse 6. For he says, unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, how do we know that that is yet to take place? It's because you can look at all the kings in the Old Testament. As those kings reigned, some of them would show some signs of wisdom and and compassion and, and, and concern for their people. But none of them were perfect. None of them fit the entire category of these titles that are given to the Messiah, who is Jesus. And they all tell us that Jesus is God who is for us. Briefly look at each one of these names. He is wonderful counselor. That means he's supernatural in his compassion and his insight. He has wisdom that can come only from God. And he will give nothing but divine counsel. Secondly, he is mighty God. The word mighty comes from the word warrior. And so this is the child of God who will make war for us. And what is that? 
That's the war against sin and the war against Satan. And that goes all the way back to the promise given in Genesis 3.15 in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve chose to sin and separated themselves from God and they were expelled from the garden. But God gave a promise that said, in time to come there will be a child born of a woman who will crush the head of Satan, the serpent. And so this is the warfare that begins when Jesus is born, that he came to be our mighty God and to fight the ultimate battle. And the ultimate battle was in his obedience to what God called him to do and to be. He went to the cross and there he fought the battle for our salvation, dying for our sins. And then notice the third title, and that is Eternal Father. And Jesus ministers to us, cares for us as a father does with care and compassion. And when he comes back and assumes his rule on the throne, he will rule with compassion and care and kindness and mercy. And then he is the Prince of Peace. It's obviously even from the Advent drama, we look around us today and we see that war rages, possibility of war rages, conflict even takes place uh, in, in, in God's people sometimes. And, and there is no real sense of peace with the way that this describes this for us. That kind of peace will take place only when Jesus Christ comes again and he brings with him the peace that will be the peace that's everlasting. So Isaiah says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. He will sit on the throne of David and over David's kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. You see, we look at so many aspects of prophecy in this today. We look at Isaiah's prophecy in, in, in chapter 7, verse 14, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a child and call him Emmanuel, for he's God with you. He's God with us. That's what it means that Jesus is here. He is God who is with us. We see that fulfilled 700 years after that prophecy. We can also go back and look at Genesis 3.15 when God promised that one day Satan would be defeated and the child born from the woman would, would crush the head of the serpent who was Satan. And that came as Jesus Christ came and went to the cross. His birth was fulfilled when Matthew, under the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit, said as he looked back at history and said, in the greatest time that we needed God, God came. And God is coming now in the birth of Jesus Christ to be God among us. And to be the God that we need who is among us. And it's showing to us that Jesus is not only God with us, but he is God who is for us. He is for us as he died in our place for our sins on the cross so that we could be forgiven and experience a relationship with God that's filled with love and peace and joy and hope that only a relationship with God can bring to us. And then there is yet that time to come when all conflict will be settled. And that will be the time that will come when everything will be perfect and Jesus will return. There's this prophecy yet to be fulfilled. When he will reign as the Prince of Peace. And that's at the time when history will be culminated. And Jesus Christ will be crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
And so we look forward to that. That is a part of the significance of this, that He is God who, who is for us. And we ought to look forward and anticipate beyond His birth and look at the scene of crucifixion and then beyond that see His glorious ascension into heaven and then we await for His glorious appearance when He comes first and captures the church and takes us out in the rapture and then later comes and we come with Him and we establish the kingdom of God on earth of which there will be no end. That's why we cannot take the birth of this Christ child in a, in a careless, insignificant manner. Even though we celebrate it every year at Christmas. It's, it's the God who is with us and it's the God who is for us. So now this year, right now, you know, if we claim Emmanuel, that Jesus is God with us and for us, what does that mean for us? I simply think it means this. Is this is how we apply this. Just bringing it down to earth where we live and where God sent Jesus. That Jesus is God with us for all of life's needs. For all of life's needs. If He's God with us and He's God for us, then He is here for all of life's needs. What might that be? Let me give you some examples. Maybe you're a believer, you're a follower after Jesus Christ, but in this season of the year, it's not the best season in your life. Maybe you're going through what we might want to call uh, a, a time of darkness. You're going through a darkness of the unknown. Uh, maybe you wait anxiously for test results about your health. Uh, or to hear from a job interview that you desperately need. Or to get the estimate on fixing your car. Or you're holding your breath about the next round of downsizing at, at work. Or you're waiting for final grades to be posted. And you do so with a sense of, you know, sense of dread, a sense of urgency, a sense of, of fear of the unknown. See, Jesus understands that. God understands that we go through those periods of time. That's why he sent Jesus to earth. And see, this is what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29. It says, He is for you. Because He says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Let me encourage you. If you're in the darkness of the fear of the unknown, remember these words of Christ. Let Him ease the burden in your life. Or maybe you're here secondly as a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, and, and you've got some darkness in your life because of the sin that other people have committed against you. They've robbed you of something. They've stolen you from something. They've slandered you. They've taken something away from you significant. Maybe they've caused harm to, to, your, to your physical body. Maybe they've caused harm to your business, to your, your relationship with your family, maybe even to your marriage. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus is here for you. And he has some words for you as you go through these times in your life. In John 14, 27 and John 16, 33, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world... You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Claim his peace. And maybe you're a believer, and, and you're here today in this season of the year, and you're in a spirit of darkness because of your own sin. You're a follower after Christ. You're a believer in Christ, but yet you know that you have sinned against God. 
and you know that there's sin in your heart and sin in your life and God will not hear your prayers and he will not look upon you with favor with that sin in your life. And so remember that Christ went to the cross not just to pay for your sin for all you had done but also to provide for all of us in the future when we would sin. And the writer of 1 John reminds us of that in 1 John 1, 9. When John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, oftentimes we as believers know that we have disobeyed God and that we have sinned. But not all the time do we claim 1 John 1, 9 and confess that sin to God. We need to remember that Jesus is our advocate. He's here for us. He's God in the flesh for us and to forgive us of our sin. And then let me speak to one other group of you. Maybe, maybe you're here in this wonderful season as we celebrate the birth of Christ, and you're in the darkness of unbelief. You've not yet crossed over that line from unbelief to faith. You've not yet claimed Jesus Christ as your Savior. And, and you never will understand the significance of Christmas and have that peace and joy and celebrate Christmas the way you should if you're not celebrating the fact that the birth of Jesus is God's love for you, sending His Son into the world to die for your sins so that you could be saved from your sins and have a relationship with God and live with Him in heaven for all eternity. It's the gift that God offers to you. And I would offer to you the invitation to say, claim this Jesus Christ. Embrace Him as the Savior of your life. Remember what Matthew's prediction said. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because He will save His people from their sins. Jesus came to be God with us and God for us, forgiving us of our sins. I've got a quick picture for you to take a look at. It ought to be familiar. It's uh, painted by Michelangelo on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel called The Birth of Adam. I want you to notice, if you can, the difference in the posture. This is God on the right, on my right. And, and you see that it looks like God is doing everything he can, straining forward with his finger outreach to make contact with Adam. And, and that's Michelangelo's way, I think, of saying to us that God loves us so much that he wants that relationship, he wants that fellowship with us, that he not only created us in his image, but he came to recreate us through Jesus Christ. Now, on the other hand, look at, look at Adam. I'm just kind of lying there, kind of in an easy, laid-back posture. Look at his hand. God's hand is intentionally pointing out, wanting that contact. And you look at Adam, and it's just kind of haphazardly out there. And I think Michelangelo wanted us to know that, you know, that's our, that's our human response to God. It's not that we love God first, but God loved us, and he came to us because he wanted to bridge that gap that sin had created between us and God. And he did so in Jesus Christ. And so remember that what is so significant about the birth of Jesus and celebrating his birth is that he is God who is with us and he is God who is for us. And it's only as we acknowledge him as our Savior and claim him as the forgiver of our sins can we enter into the relationship with God where we experience everything the Bible offers. Love, joy, peace, hope, and eternal life. If you're not yet a believer in Jesus Christ and a follower after him, then I offer to you the invitation to come to him today and claim Christ as the Savior of your life. And I know then that you will know the true significance of celebrating the birth of Jesus.
Father, we thank you today on this first Sunday in December that we can celebrate uh, the prophecies of old that have come true and wait with that joyful anticipation of the prophecies yet to become true about Jesus Christ and his coming for us and establishing uh, that wonderful kingdom and reigning as the the mighty God and the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace and the wonderful Counselor. And Father, help us also to realize that right now, uh, Jesus is here through the presence of the Holy Spirit to speak to hearts who need to accept him and embrace him as Savior. And I pray that as we enter this time, that you will speak to the hearts of many and they will respond in faith to your love through Jesus Christ, whose birth we celebrate. Amen.